Well, I'd like to give you a very warm welcome to our morning service today, those of you that are joining us in the building and those that are joining us online. I've just got a couple of things quickly to bring to your attention before we start. Um, the first one is uh, the, the barbecue, the men's barbecue that's coming up um, very soon now. Um, just a quick one is if anybody is coming and they have any dietary requirements, could you please um, let myself or Peter Turner or Peter uh, Dinage know so that we can cater for you? Um, it's a really, really great gospel uh, event that we're taking, uh, that's co- going to take place. And um, we'd like to see as many men there as possible. And like all, always with uh, men's events, men take a bit of a, bit of a prod to, to get themselves going. And if you are intending to come or invite someone along, could you please um, let one of us know um, ASAP so we can cater, obviously, for the food and the drinks there. Um, it'd be good to know. And it'd be good to have a good number there. And it's really encouraging to, to invite someone to an event like this. Um, we had the golf event not that long ago, and we had lots of men come to it, and many of them really enjoyed not just the golf, but they enjoyed the, the talk there. So it's a really good gospel opportunity in a really relaxed environment. So I really encourage you to, to one, get in contact with us to, to come along, and two, to invite someone along to come with you. And the second thing to bring to your attention is next week we have the Jubilee service. Um, There's flyers for both of these at the back of the room, so please pick them up on the way out. And it's another good opportunity to invite people along to a service here, isn't it? You know, many people, I'm sure, are going to be getting into um, the celebration of the Jubilee um, next week. Fantastic event to have, isn't it, celebrating the Queen's um, 70 years um, reigning as a Queen. But what a great opportunity is as well to invite somebody along to come to a service. So I really encourage you to to pick these up and to invite somebody along to them. Before we sing um, our first song this morning, I'm just going to read um, a couple of verses from Psalm 100. And these are great verses to, to start the day with. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. And I love that last verse, his faithfulness to all generations. He blesses us all, doesn't he, whether we're old or whether we're young. So shall we join together now as we sing our first song? Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Beauty that made his heart adore you. Hope of a life spent with you. Our first song.
reading this morning is from 2 Kings 5, and we're following on from last week, and uh, we are going to be starting with meeting a man called Naaman. Um, if you want to follow along um, in your Bibles, it's page 311, so 2 Kings 5, page 100, 311. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favour, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valour, but he was a leper. Now the Syrians, on one of their raids, had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, Would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his Lord, thus and spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold and ten changes of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, when this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends words to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and went away, saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord, his God, and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. But his servants came near and said to him, My father is a is, is a, my father is a great word, and the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man, and and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Then he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and he came and stood before him, and he said, Behold, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. So accept now a present from your servant. But he said, as the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. Then Naaman said, if not, please let there be given to your servants two mule loads of earth. For from now on, your servant will not offer burnt offerings or sacrifice to any God but the Lord. In this matter, may the Lord pardon your servant when my master goes into the house of Rimon to worship there. Lean in on my arm, and I bow myself in the house of Rimmon. When I bow myself in the house of Rimmon, the Lord pardon your servant in this matter. He said to him, Go in peace. But when Naaman had gone from him a short distance, Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, See, my master has spared this Naaman, the Syrian, 
in not accepting from his hand what he brought. As the Lord lives, I will run after him and get something from him. So Gehazi followed Naaman, and when Naaman saw someone running after him, he got down from the chariot to meet him. And he said, Is all well? And he said, All is well. My master has sent me to say, There have just now come to me from the hill country of Ephraim two young men of the sons of the prophets. Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of clothing. And Naaman said, Be pleased to accept two talents. And he urged him and tied up the two talents of silver in two bags with two changes of clothing and laid them on, the two, on his two servants and they carried them before Gehazi. And when he came to the hill, he took them from their hand and put them in the house and he sent the men away and they departed. He went and he stood in before his master, Elisha, and Elisha said to him, Where have you been, Gehazi? And he said, Your servant went nowhere. But he said to him, Did not my heart go when the man turned from his chariot to meet you? Was it time to accept money and garments, olive orchards and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male servants and female servants? Therefore the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and to your descendants forever. So he went out from his presence a leper like snow. Amen. After we sing our um, second song, the children will... Welcome to come up the front and sit here, and Luke's going to give the children's talk, so please, after the second song finishes, children, make your way up to, up to the front. We look forward to hearing what Luke has to say this morning. But we're going to stand in a moment to sing our second song, and what a great, great song, great hymn this is. To God be the glory, great things he has done, so loved he the world that he gave us his Son, who yielded his life in atonement for sin, and opened the life gates that all may go in. Our second song.
Well, good morning, everyone. It's lovely to see you here. Now, I want to put up a Bible verse on the wall that I think some of you may already know. Um, sorry, would you mind putting the slide up? There's no slide. Okay. Uh, I will read it to you then. Sorry about this. It's got to be a good one now, isn't it? It is a good one. Of course, it's a good one. Right, it's in Romans chapter 8, and it's verse 28, and it says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Have you heard that Bible verse before? Maybe? No, not one that you're familiar with. I'm going to help, hopefully help you uh, understand what that verse is all about. Now, who likes food? Yeah, we all like food. Yeah, who likes... Well, do we, can we see what this is? Flour. Yeah, this is flour. Who likes eating flour? No, not a fan. Who likes eating... What's this? Who likes eating chocolate chips? Yeah, definitely chocolate chips. Uh, who likes eating... Oh, well, what's this? Is it egg? What sort of egg? Raw. raw egg. Who likes eating raw eggs? No, no, me neither. So we put that on the bad side. Who likes eating... Butter. Who likes eating butter? You just like, you just like eating, do you? Even, even unsalted butter, yeah? <laughs> okay, so mi- mixed opinion there. I would lean on the side. I'm not a fan. And finally, what about that? Sugar. sugar. Who likes eating sugar? <laughs> yeah, sugar lumps, chapel teas, I do, isn't it? Right, there you go. So we've got some food that is nice, we like eating, and some not so much, and we're split on the butter. Now, what I want this to represent These are things in our life. Now, we have good things in our life that are represented by the sugar and the chocolate. And the good things that we have in life are our family, we have holidays. Uh, What else do we have that's good in our life? What else can we be? What do you think, Flynn? Sorry? Family, yeah. What else? Friends, yeah, good food. We have lots of good things in our life, don't we? We can be really thankful for those. And what about the things in life? Sometimes we have bad things in life, don't we, which are represented by the yucky food. And we have, sometimes we have problems in life, don't we? What kind of things do we have in life that aren't, aren't so good? We have sin, don't we? Yeah, great answer. Yeah, we have sin in our life. And, and what else? But sometimes we have people that we know that get sick. And sometimes we have... People sadly die in our family, don't we? We have lots of, lots of things that aren't so good in our life. And, uh, and, and they make us less happy. Not happy at all. They make us unhappy. Now, those are, so they're represented by our, our life. But what happens if we put all these things here, flour, egg, butter, sugar, chocolate chips, and we mix it all together? What could... Uh, Isla, I think your hands up pretty sharp. Cake. Cake always makes life better, doesn't it? It doesn't matter what we're going through. Cake always makes it a little bit better. We can put all these things together and make cake. And so we've got flour, which we don't like eating on its own. Raw egg, don't like eating that on its own. But we also have the good things as well. We mix it together and we can have cake. We all like cake, right? Yeah, absolutely right. 
So, what I want to, uh, so, so all of that comes together, and we've got the, there you go, there's the Bible verse there. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together, and that's like in our life. All things work together for good. All these, we have good things and bad things, and they all get put together, but out of it all good comes, because we get cakes. And that's like in our life. God mixes, has good things in our lives, bad things in our life. But he also wants good to come out of it all. And like good comes out, cake comes out of all those ingredients, and so in our life. And so we have to go through things. We have to have flour to make a cake, and we have to have raw egg to make a cake, but it all works all up well in the end, doesn't it? And that's what God wants for our life. In, in the end, it will all work out well and for, for those that love God. Now that's... That's, that's, uh, that's hopefully how we can, when you're eating a cake, and I've got lots of freshly baked cakes this morning for you to come and find me after the service. Come and get a cake. And, I mean, there's a flour and a raw egg as well, if anyone wants that. You're welcome to come and help yourself. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's what God wants for us, isn't it? Uh, all these things working together in our lives, good things and bad things, they all work together for our good. And now, for our, if you just bear with me for 30 seconds, for us older ones, obviously this still applies. But isn't the tough thing when a cake goes and the ingredients go in the oven, when the heat, when the things heat up, that's the bit that's really hard. That's the thing, when we've got to walk that out, that's the bit that's difficult. But through it all, I pray for us each that we will be able to see that good will come out of it and that we will be brought forth like gold. We'll come out far better than cupcakes. One day when we're in heaven, it'll be better than cupcakes, believe it or not. And, uh, and, and we should all be there. And that's what God wants for us. So when we're walking through the good times and the bad, Let's keep our eyes on Jesus, knowing that all these things are coming together for our good. Thank you very much for listening. Come and find me after the service for a cake. Thank you, Luke. Can I get a spare cake as well? There you go. Good. We're going to pray in a moment, but I'm just going to read that verse again that I started with this morning, then we're going to pray to God. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. We pray. Almighty and heavenly Father, we come before you and we can call you our Father. We thank you so much that, that you look after and take care of your children. And it doesn't matter what age we are, whether we're old or we're young. Lord, we can come to you and call you our Heavenly Father. Lord, we thank you so much for for all the great things that you do. We thank you so much that, that you are the one that is in control over everything that happens in our lives and in this world and in this universe. Lord, everything came together by your hand. Lord, we thank you so much for the greatest gift of all. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the life that he led as he was here on earth. We thank you for the way that he taught and he guided his disciples and the people that came to listen and to hear him speak. Lord, he did so many wonderful things, so many wonderful miracles, and yet it was the words that he spoke that were the most powerful, Lord. That he taught us the way to be made right with God. He taught us that we had to put our trust in him, that we had to... Put, put down everything that we think and believe in our own thoughts and in our own minds. We had to just lay it all down at the cross, put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we will be saved. What an amazing message. What an amazing saviour. And I just really pray from the bottom of my heart that that simple message that Jesus spoke, that many will take it into their hearts and understand it and put their life in Jesus' hands. 
Lord God, we thank you so much that, that we can be made right with Jesus. We're, we're thank, so thankful that because Jesus shed his blood, we can be made whiter than snow. Lord God, we were talking in Sunday school this morning, Lord, about um, how so many people get taken up with so many things in this world. They look for the next thrill, the next thing that's going to really satisfy. But we know that only one thing can satisfy, and that is having Jesus in our lives. Lord, we just look around about us, Lord, and we see such a broken world. Yet, Lord, we can see a perfect world through Jesus Christ if we put our trust in him. Lord, we thank you for all the good things that you give us. We thank you so much for for this um, time that we can have this morning where we can take time out from our, our daily routines to set a day apart where we can come and we can worship our Heavenly Father. We thank you so much that we can come to a church here, we can come through these doors and not be persecuted for doing so. We can speak openly about who our God is and what he has done for us. We can praise you, we can sing to you. Uh, But, Lord, we think of those people in so many different countries around this world that cannot do the same as what we do, that have to worship and praise in secret. We just pray for our brothers and sisters in this world, Lord, that are under persecution at this time. We pray that today will be a great blessing for them. Lord, we were talking on Thursday um, when we were going through that psalm, that we pray that even in the darkest times that they will have a great feast and banquet today, hearing and listening to your word. Lord, we thank you so much that it doesn't matter where we are. We can worship you wherever. We can come to you in ones or twos or in big groups and you will be with us, Lord. We thank you for that. Lord, we think about this morning as we we had the children come into the Sunday school. Lord, it is so wonderful to see the young children come in, be so excited to hear and listen and to learn about you. And we just pray that that head knowledge that they have will will end up being heart knowledge and be a way in which they put their trust and their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we think about all the work that went on in Rooted also, Lord. We thank you so much for seeing those teenagers come in through the doors also, going up those stairs and to sit in those rooms and to hear and understand and learn about you, Lord. We just really pray that your Holy Spirit will be working in those teenagers' lives, that they will be wanting to know and learn and understand more and more about you day by day, Lord, and that they will put their trust in you. Because we know, Lord, that you are the greatest. You are the greatest gift that anybody could ever receive. Lord, we come before you um, this morning, and there are many things that are on our hearts, many things that we have concerns for, and we know we are so thankful that we can come and we can bring them before you and pray to you over them. Lord, we we commit to you this week uh, the funeral of uh, James's auntie, and we especially pray that you'll be with James and Vicky and Beth and Gabe and Paige and Harvey on Tuesday. Lord, it's such a a sad occasion when you lose a loved one. But Lord, we were singing um, this morning, the best friend to have is Jesus, and I just pray that on Tuesday, Lord God, and over these next coming days, weeks and months, that they will cling close to you, because you are like a brother to those who call upon your name. Comfort them and be with them, I do pray. And I pray that there will be chances at that funeral for them to to speak about their faith and to spread the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ there. But do be with them and comfort them and bless them, I do pray. Lord, when we think of funerals, we think of um, people that we have lost in, in recent times, such sad losses, such holes left in people's lives, Lord. And I just really do pray that you will be with those that are still mourning, that are still feeling the consequences of people that they have lost. We especially pray for for Jean and for Alan and the extended family at the loss of Steve, Lord. We do pray that you continue to be with them, continue to bless them, continue to strengthen them. 
But Lord, it has been wonderful. I had a conversation this week. And Lord, it is so wonderful to remember Stephen, what good he did through you and how he was so blessed through um, living for Christ and how many people's lives he's changed. It's been such an encouragement to see that his life was not in vain and that he is still glorifying you because people are still talking about the wonderful things Steve did in his life here and how he touched so many people's lives. And I pray that that will continue to, to go on and on as people remember Steve. And I pray for um, Jackie and the extended family also at the, the loss of um, Amber May. Lord, still feeling it so deeply. I just pray for them at this time really be a rock and a shield and strength to them. Really bless them as they come to terms with that grief. Really do bless them in their quiet times. Just help them to remember that there is a saviour that is um, their friend and their brother that takes care of them. I do pray. Lord God, we pray for, for those that are poorly and ill at this time. We especially think of Mrs. Rao. We pray that you'll be with her at this time. Lord, do bless her as she's feeling and so poorly and so weak. And Lord, I just really do pray that you'll be with her and be her comfort. Lord, I pray for all those that, that are dealing with um, the arrangements of taking care of her at this time. I pray that they will be put into, into place and that they will get the um, help that this is needed to, to take care of Mrs. Rowe at this time. And do be with the family that have got such great concerns as well. Lord God, we come to you now and we think about um, the, the, the events that are coming up soon, we especially think of the Jubilee service. Lord, what a great opportunity it is to, to invite people to a church service, Lord. Sometimes we think to ourselves, how can we ever um, pluck up the courage to invite someone to come to church? But Lord, we have these events where it makes it a little easier, doesn't it, when we can bring them to something that, that um, they know about. They know about this, this Jubilee. They know about the Queen's 70 years in, in charge of this country. And Lord, we can say we've got a service going on down here. Come here. Come and enjoy it. Come and be with us. Come and, and worship God and give thanks for, for her and for her time in charge, Lord. I do pray that people will want to come because each one of us has people in our lives that we have such great concerns for. But we do find it such a struggle and so hard sometimes to know how to invite them or to speak to them. And these little events make it so much easier to bring them along to a clear gospel message. And the same goes for the barbecue. I do pray for all the men in this building now. Lord, we find it so difficult as men to speak to one another about spiritual things. But I really do pray that you will just take away all that doubt in our hearts. Take away all those things that confuse us and think that they won't want to come to it and just give us the courage Lord give us opportunities to at the right time to ask these men to come along because one thing that we long to see is to see people saved don't we and Lord I just pray that we'll all have the um, real encouragement to to bring um, somebody along to hear a clear gospel message and and we just pray that in those events Lord that your Holy Spirit will be working and lives will be changed through that so, Lord God, be with us now as we, we come to um, continue with our service. We especially pray for Mark as he brings your word to us. Lord, we thank you so much for Mark. We thank you so much for not what he does in preaching to us now, but all he does with the young people and in Rooted. He is such a blessing to us. And may um, your word and your message now be a blessing to him as he brings it to us, but a blessing to us as we hear it also. And we pray for John this evening as he preaches to us again. And we thank you so much that he had such a refreshing time on holiday and the week just gone by. And we just pray that as he speaks to us tonight, that he will be your mouthpiece, that he will be a real blessing to us as we hear what he has to say to us this evening. And we pray all these things now in that precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay. 
after we sing our third song, Mark is going to come up and he's going to be preaching to us and teaching us from uh, 2 Kings 5. But before then, we're going to sing our third song. Great is the gospel of our glorious God, where mercy met the anger of God's rod. A penalty was paid and a pardon bought, and sinners lost at last him were brought. Our third song. It's good to see you all. Uh, if you were here last week, uh, we were looking at uh, two stories in the life of Elisha, and uh, it's about miraculous mealtimes, and I was thinking actually about the multiplication of food and how useful that would be this morning with the cakes. Um, sadly, Elisha's not here. Uh, but this week we've got a, a longer story, and it's one that a lot more people will know. 
but if you don't know the story that we're looking at, um, and maybe you feel like you don't really know much about God at all, then don't worry, because one of the main characters that we're looking at this morning knows nothing about God really at all. So as we kind of go through the story as he learns about God, we'll learn about God too. Today's message uh, is for you if you feel a bit of an outsider. Maybe you feel a bit of an outsider at church. Today's message is for you if you want to know how to become a Christian. Hopefully you will learn that as we go through. Today's message is for you if you've come here and you're feeling guilty. Today's message is for you if you want to tell other people about Jesus. We see that going on and we learn a couple of good lessons. Today's message is for you if you think you are better than other people. And today's message is for you if you live your life as though God isn't there. I think that probably covers most of us. This is a story of contrast. I've really noticed it this week as I've been sort of getting into it, just the contrast that build up in this story. And uh, see if you can spot them as we go through the contrast that are here. Now I want you to imagine that you're very young. You're not quite a little kid, but you're not much older at all. And uh, it's night time, and you're lying in bed, and you hear shouts and you hear screams. And uh, the shouts get louder, and suddenly your door is kicked in, and men with swords come rushing in, and they grab you and they drag you out of your house. They drag you away from your family, and they take you to a place where they live, And uh, you never see your family again. And you end up as a slave of the army general who has just been responsible for the raid that's taken you captive. Well, thankfully for us, that remains an imagination. But for the little girl in this story, that's the reality of what happened. We don't know all the details. But if anything, that's probably the nice version of what happened to this little girl in this story, dragged away from her home, dragged away from her family, probably never to see them again, uh, dragged away from everything that was familiar, it must have been terrifying, taken into a completely new situation to be the servant of the wife of the army general. And we get to know about her captor uh, right at the beginning of 2 Kings 5. So if you were listening to the reading, you would have picked it up. He was called Naaman. He was called Naaman, and it says this. We find out about him right at the start of 2 Kings 5. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favour, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valour. See how it builds up. He's this powerful man. He's mighty and he's the, he's the hero of Syria because of the battles he's won. Although, interestingly, you get that little detail that he won those battles because God had given him the victory. This man has it all. He's got wealth, he's got power, he's got prestige. And now he has another servant as well. But he's also got something else. He's got leprosy. It hits you quite hard if you're reading the passage. It hits you quite hard. He's, he's this great man but he was a leper. Um, It's probably not what we call leprosy nowadays. Um, 
in those days, a whole range of skin diseases were called leprosy. Um, It's quite likely that it was something like psoriasis, something along those lines. We're not exactly sure. But what we do know is that it was seriously concerning for him. And that he was willing to do almost anything it took to sort of try and make himself better. So this was, you know, a pretty serious condition. Now, if you're the little girl in this situation, how are you feeling about Naaman right now? I did a school assembly recently, and uh, I was talking about this little girl. And I explained a little bit about what had happened to her, and I explained about the fact that this girl knew about Elisha, and the fact that Elisha, with God's help, could heal Naaman, had the power to heal Naaman. And I got them to discuss, just for a few seconds, I said, if you were that little girl, what would you do? And after the discussion, one of the little... Well, no, actually one of the older girls said, I wouldn't say anything. I'd let him die. And I said, yeah. I can understand that, can't you? After everything that Naaman's done to you. But what does the little girl do? She tells Naaman's wife about Elisha. This is in verse 3. She said to her mistress, would that my Lord, basically, if only my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. When I told everyone in the assembly that this girl had told Naaman how to be cured, they were genuinely shocked. It was quite nice seeing them so shocked. The name uh, Naaman means pleasant, but I doubt it that that's the, uh, the first word that came into the Israelites' minds as they thought of him. Um, He was the commander of the Syrian army. They were regularly doing raids uh, against the Israelites, God's people. He doesn't deserve to be helped. And yet this girl, in her situation, having been kidnapped, lovingly shares how Naaman can find a cure, how he can be healed. And so, first contrast, here you go, I'll give you the first one. This great man is helped by this little girl. This great man is helped by this little girl. I haven't got any headings this morning, um, so sorry if you're waiting for them to go up. Um, We're just going to go through the story and just pick out some of these things. Notice this girl doesn't say much, does she? She just points him to how he can be healed. But that's all she needs to do. Now this is a little bit of a spoiler if you don't know the story might ruin it slightly here, but when Naaman is healed later on, this is the moment that he would look back to and say, this is when it all started. That little girl just saying those few words, this is when, the the sort of, everything that happens in the rest of the chapter, this is is where it started. And and the girl, there are two things that's really important to notice with this girl. She knew that Elisha could help, that's the first thing, knew that Elisha could help heal Naaman, and she showed love towards him so she knew Elisha could help and she showed love towards Naaman now we might not have leprosy this morning I hope we don't but the Bible does say we've got something far worse each of us has this deadly condition of sin we're born with it and it doesn't matter how great we are it doesn't matter how powerful we are how much prestige we've got it's a consequence of rejecting God, the life giver. The Bible says we've got this condition, this curse on us called sin. 
And there's only one person that can help us, and it's not Elisha, it's Jesus. And for those of us here who have been healed by Jesus already, for those of us who have gone to Jesus already, we want to tell other people about him, don't we? If we don't, we should. But sometimes we can get a bit caught up, can't we? Because we can kind of think, I just don't know what to say. We kind of feel our inadequacy. Maybe we look at other people and think, if only they could say something for us. But this girl reminds us of the two things that we really need. The first one is to know that Jesus can really help them. That Jesus is what they really need. Just like Elisha could really heal Naaman, we need to be convinced that Jesus is what they really need. And secondly, we need to love them enough to tell them. That's really all we need to do. We need to point them to Jesus. And it might be, you know, it might be that you chat and actually they do ask questions. You have much more of a discussion. And sometimes that happens and that's great. But, you know, we can trust God that God can use little people using little sentences to do great things. And he can use these things to lead people towards healing. And I hope that gives us confidence. Those of us who want to tell people about Jesus, sometimes it's quite simple. So, Naaman, uh, he hears this and he's interested. He goes and tells his king about it. He says, look, apparently there's this prophet in Samaria that can heal me. So, uh, we put the story up in verse 4. So, Naaman went in and told his lord, or the king of Syria, Thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. Of course, Naaman is the hero of Israel, uh, Syria at this point, sorry. So the king's only too pleased to help. So he writes a letter to the king of Israel. And then you have this really strange situation where you have the king of Syria sending the, his sort of general of his army to an enemy king to be healed. It's, it's quite a strange sort of situation. And of course the countries are pretty hostile to each other um, and have been for a long time. So it's a bit, of a bit of a funny situation. And Naaman takes a huge gift, uh, a huge uh, gift to pay for his healing, obviously to help with diplomatic issues as well. So it tells us in the second half of verse 5 how much he takes. So he went taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold and 10 changes of clothing. That won't make uh, much sense to most of us. Um, but if my calculations are right, that's over 300 kilograms of silver and over 56 kilograms of gold. So this is you know, a significant gift. This is a significant amount of money. And the 10 changes of clothing, you know, this isn't sort of shorts and t-shirts to sort of change into uh, from the local high street. You know, this is sort of clothing of the highest quality. Clothing fit for a king. Uh, clothing probably decorated with expensive jewellery. So this is, we're talking vast sums of money here. If you have any doubts before about how much Naaman wanted to be healed from this disease, well, hopefully you don't anymore. He was willing to pay whatever it cost. Almost, as we'll see, willing to do whatever it takes. So we carry on the story. This is verses 6 and 7. And Naaman brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, 
Know that I have sent to you Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive, that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. This king gets in a right state. He's tearing his clothes. And he's in a right sort of panic. And he's convinced that his king's trying to trick him, sort of fairly understandably. Sort of like trying to trick him into a fight. He's seeking a war. He says, am I God that I can heal people? You know, the sad thing about this is that this is, the, this is the king of Israel. This is the king of God's chosen people. He should know all about God. And he, he talks about God here, but it's so theoretical. Am I God that I can heal him? But there's no sense of him going to God. He, he has no relationship with God whatsoever. He doesn't even seem to know about Elisha, the prophet of God. And so you have this little girl that's been kidnapped, who's in this foreign country showing more knowledge of God and demonstrating more faith in God than the king of God's people. This is verse 8. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. I wonder whether Elisha is slightly having a little dig uh, at the king as well. Verse 9, So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. I wonder what Naaman was thinking as he came to Elisha's house, as he goes with all his chariots. He's probably thinking, well, he probably hasn't got a red carpet. It's probably a bit too much to expect. But I expect that he'll at least come out and... You know, there'll be this big sort of uh, fanfare about me arriving. It'll be this big sort of performance. It'll be quite a big thing for Elisha that I'm coming to his house. So he knocks on the door. Pick up the story in verse 10. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and went away, saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farpa, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and he went away in a rage. He's fuming. He was expecting this personal performance when it says at the end there he says I thought it would surely come out to me the last two words to me in in Hebrew apparently are emphatic he's really saying don't you know I'm a somebody I thought it would at least come out to me don't you know I'm the hero of Syria I'm the, the general of their army I have good links with the king don't you know who I am He's a great man, he's a powerful man, he's a successful man, he's a commander of the army, he deserves respect. But Elisha doesn't even come out and see him. He just sends his messenger to the door with some instructions. But it's not just the lack of welcome that has made uh, Naaman get all hot and bothered. It's what he was told to do. Gets his blood boiling. He was told, go and wash in the Jordan seven times. 
Now, if you go to some places in the UK, um, you can find some stunning rivers and uh, crystal clear water, uh, beautiful and cold. And there's sort of places where if you don't take your swimming things, you regret it. And you think, if only I had my swimming things. And even if you don't go for a full-on dip, you know, you love paddling in, in the water. Well, Jordan, I think it's safe to say, was not like that. It's still not. Certainly not in uh, Naaman's eyes. It was a slow-moving river. It was pretty muddy. And it was, it was nothing compared to the, the rivers that Naaman knew. The rivers that Naaman knew, they were fast-flowing. They were the sort of ones that were at the bottom of mountains where the snow melts and this beautiful, lovely water comes down that you could probably drink. And so Naaman's raging about it. Why can't I do it there? Why do I have to do it in your mucky river? So Naaman's raging, but his, his servants, well, they sort of gather around him and they, they speak a bit of sense to him. They say, look, Naaman, if Elisha had asked you to do something big, imagine if he'd asked you to do something really challenging, you would do it. You'd be up for whatever, you'd pay whatever it costs to do it. Has he really said to you that all you need to do is go and wash in this river? Isn't it at least worth a try? And Naaman's blood, it sort of cools down a little bit. And he concedes that it's a fair point. It's worth a try. They've said, it's a simple thing. Give it a go. Verse 14. So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. Well, beauty companies spend millions, don't they, trying to sell us moisturisers and creams that make you look younger. As I was driving here literally just this morning, I was stuck in the high street um, by the traffic lights and uh, there's a sign in one of the windows that says, try this cream, if it doesn't work within four weeks, you get your money back. Well, have they been looking in the wrong place? Do we send them to the River Jordan? Imagine, uh, imagine the advertising that they could do from this story. You know, veteran Syrian army general uh, who's got serious skin condition made like a child after just seven washes. Imagine that. But this isn't magic water. Naaman knows that. This is, this is God. This is God doing a, a miracle. God has healed him. God has saved his life. And I've really enjoyed looking at this story this week. I have to say, I've really enjoyed sort of mulling it over, praying it over, because this is such a beautiful picture of how we are healed. Such a beautiful picture of how we are saved. You know, it seemed crazy to Naaman to have to go and wash with his condition to have to go and wash in this muddy river it just didn't seem right and yet how are we healed how are we saved because that's pretty crazy too Uh, a man who died on a cross 2000 years ago an execution that's where we go it doesn't make much sense does it at first reading People over the years have looked at this and called it foolishness. Do you remember if you were here two weeks ago when Si was here, looking at 1 Corinthians 1, this is what Si was saying, that people look at the cross and it's, it's foolishness to them. To others it's a stumbling block. The cross just, it doesn't seem to make sense to people. And people look at the cross and they're offended and they say, really? That's the way to God? I can do it better than that. I can do it my way. 
People get upset about the cross. It's offensive. It tells us that we can't add anything ourselves. It tells us it's our only hope. But you know, that the beauty of Jesus' death on the cross is that he makes it so simple for us to be healed. Just like it was simple to be washed in the river, it is so simple to be healed, to be saved. The Bible says, all we have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. That's it. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Saying sorry for our sins and trusting in him. It's really what it means. It's so simple. You know, it's so simple that I struggled to believe it for years. I really did. I wanted to be saved. I wanted to be healed. Um, I wanted to be a Christian, but I never really believed I was good enough. And I sort of never really believed that simply believing um, was good enough. Just it didn't feel enough. I felt like I had to do things. I felt like I had to be better. I, I, I pretty much felt like I had to be this kind of perfect Christian before I could be a Christian. <laughs> that I, I had to make myself properly clean before Jesus would accept me. I had this fear that um, I could tell people I was a Christian and then I'd do something wrong and everyone would be so disappointed in me because they'd think, oh, well, he's clearly not. And uh, the, the problem with it, of course, as you know, and anyone who knows me even a little bit will know this, was that I was a failure. Each and every day, you know, you could start out the day with confidence and you could think, okay, maybe I'm a Christian today, I can do this. It wasn't very long during the day before I realised, okay, maybe I'm not quite good enough for this. Maybe I can't do this by myself. Maybe I'm a a failure. I'm not perfect. And in the end, it got to the point where I simply had to believe Jesus' word, that all I had to do was believe in him and trust in him for forgiveness. And that I could know I was saved. Regardless of how I felt. And this thing, I often didn't feel that different. And yet I had to hold on to God's promises and I had to trust them. And you know, it's when I trusted God's word that that all we do is believe on Jesus. That's how we are saved. And when I trusted, that's when I felt joy. That's when I felt freedom. That's when I felt peace. Because I trusted his word. It's not always easy. Because it goes against our feelings. But it's so simple. And the reason I'm spending time talking about this morning is because I think many of us are are very prone to struggle with this. And I suspect there's a few here. I know some of you have struggled with it in the past. And I suspect there's a good number here that are still struggling with it today. I think if you've been brought up in a church, often becoming a Christian seems so complicated. There seems so many barriers And it seems difficult. And you can feel like you have to be perfect before becoming a a Christian. But it's so simple. Don't believe the lies that it's complicated. If you want to be healed by Jesus, if you want to be forgiven of your sins, simply believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Ask him to forgive you, wash you clean, and he will. And if you have any more questions about that, please feel free to come and speak to one of us. And if that's too intimidating, um, speak to a good Christian friend. 
And, you know, the beauty of speaking to a Christian friend is that they've gone through it too. (laughs) So they know a bit of what it's like. So, Naaman is healed. But his transformation isn't only skin deep. It's not just that his disease goes away. His mind and his heart have been completely transformed as well. Do you remember how he came to Elisha? He turns up at the door and he's upset. He says, sure, I thought Elisha would come out to me. Don't you know who I am? Well, now he returns to Elisha. And there's a staggering difference. He returns full of humility and praise for God. And I actually think that the, the, sort of the inward transformation is probably more staggering than the outside transformation. Listen to what he says uh, to Elisha. And bear in mind that he's got sort of everyone around him, his whole sort of entourage, as it were. He says, Behold, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. I know that in, there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. He's realised that all these other gods, all these other idols that he's been worshipping for years they're useless. In the face of illness, in the face of death, they can do nothing. But now his eyes have been opened, his heart's been changed, and now he knows. God, the God of Israel, he's the real God. He's the living God. But you know what's sad about this? It's not about Naaman. It's about the people of Israel. You see, Naaman has just discovered that the God of Israel is the only God, the only true living God. And yet the people of Israel this time, nearly all of them are busy chasing other gods, chasing other idols. They're chasing what Naaman has just realised utterly useless. And just a quick thought-provoking question. I wanted to spend a bit more time on some of these things this morning, but I had to cut it down But just a quick thought-provoking question for some of you. Is it possible that you are here in church where we worship God and yet you're so busy chasing other things that you're missing the living God right in front of you? Is it possible that you're here in church where we worship God and yet you're so busy chasing other things that you're missing the living God who is right in front of you? That's what the Israelites were doing. And sadly you see this throughout history. Back to Naaman. He's a changed man. And uh, what I want you to do now is open your Bibles. Uh, If you've got them, if you've got an app on your phone, open it up. And uh, I want you to look at 2 Kings 5. And have a look at verses 15 to 18. And I want you just to scan down, if you've got a Bible or app with you, scan down what does Naaman now refer to him as, himself as. So it's 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 15 to 18. And Naaman refers to himself five times as something. Have a quick look at it. See what it is. Can I?
Can anyone tell me? Servant. Very good. Very good. He now recognizes himself as a servant. The pride's gone. He's seen what God has done for him. And now he wants to serve. You know, this is what happens when God works in our life. When he saves us, our hearts are changed. And suddenly we're not so big and important in our lives anymore. Suddenly we're not the most important person. Suddenly, as we see what God has done, we want to serve him. We gladly submit to him. We're humbled. And we become more like Jesus, the servant king. And what does Naaman want to do? Well, he wants to say thank you with his gift. He wants to pass it on. He's so grateful uh, to Elisha and to God for what, what God has done for him. But Elisha says, no, he says, as the Lord lives, he will receive nothing. Now, why? Why was Elisha so strong on not receiving any gift from Naaman? Well, I think there's two reasons sort of linked together. One of them is that he wants Naaman to understand that it wasn't him that healed him. It was God. I think that's partly as well why he sends him off to the Jordan and why he doesn't even come out at the beginning. He wants Naaman to understand that it can't have been him because he wasn't even near him. So he doesn't want to accept payment because he, he wants Naaman to understand that this wasn't me that did this. This was God. But he also doesn't want to accept payment because he's desperate for Naaman to realise that God's healing grace is free. It doesn't cost a penny. It's free, undeserved goodness from God. It doesn't cost you. All the other idols at the time, they would charge you for things. Or so they thought, anyway. <laughs> but he wants Naaman to head back to his family, and his family to go, well, what happened? And him to say, God healed me. And you know what? It didn't cost a penny. That's the lesson. It's God's grace. It's free. You know, God's healing, it's not just simple. It's also free. It's free for us. It's not free for Jesus. He paid the price on the cross, but it's free for us. We cannot pay for it in any way. It's simple and it's free. It's the beauty of God's grace. It's simple and it's free. So Naaman leaves and he takes two mule loads of earth back with him. Why does he do that? Well, it's because he wants to build an altar um, in his homeland, but he wants to worship God on, on sort of Israel land. And it's a beautiful picture, of really, just of how his heart has been transformed. And he, he just wants to worship God in his homeland. Well, we're skipping over a few bits. Um, and we get to the ending. As you know, the story doesn't quite finish there. There's a, there's a sting in the tail. There's a twist at the end. This is uh, reading from verse sec, uh, sort of second half of verse 19 onwards. But when Naaman had gone from him a short distance, Gehazi, Elisha's servant, the servant of Elisha, the man of God said, See, my master has spared this Naaman, the Syrian, in not accepting from his hand what he bought. As the Lord lives, I will run after him and get something from him. Elisha said, as the Lord lives, I will not accept money for what's happened. Gehazi says, as the Lord lives, I will run after him and get something from him. 
Now I'm sure Gehazi is tempted by the treasure. He must have seen it. He must have been te- imagine seeing that much treasure. There's greed there. But I think there's a little bit more going on as well. Do you notice that he calls him Naaman the Syrian? There's feeling in this. He can't bear the thought that this enemy, this, this outsider, has experienced God's grace and he's experienced it for free. He can't, he can't cope with that. He wants to make Naaman at least pay something. And he kind of thinks, well, if I can make Naaman pay something and if I can kind of cash in as well at the same time, then good. It, it won't harm him at all. So Gehazi runs after Naaman and he creates this very believable lie about these visitors and of course Naaman's only too pleased to to give. He's very grateful, Naaman believes it, he gives and uh, Gehazi goes home and he, he tucks it away in a hidden place and it seems like the perfect ruse, he seems to have gotten away from it. They didn't have GPS back then, Elisha couldn't track him seems to have gotten away with it. But God has seen what's happened. And that's something for us to think about right there, isn't it? I'm not going to expand it, but something to think about. God has seen what's happened in in private. And God judges Gehazi. It's quite shocking, really, in some ways. God judges Gehazi by giving him the same leprosy that Naaman had. And it's not only for the greed that Gehazi showed. It's not only for the whopper of a lie that he told to Naaman. It's also because he's distorted the picture of grace that Elisha was being so careful to give to Naaman. That that healing was free. And now Naaman is going back and he's still got some of the gift but not all of it. He's had to pay for, for some of it. And I'm just going to finish with this, that it's such a big deal because grace is simple and it's free. And, you know, it's readily available to each and every single one of us. Whoever you are, whatever your background, whatever you've done, hopefully Naaman, the outsider, the enemy, will show you that whoever you are, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for that story. We thank you that it's a historical account. We thank you for the interest in it, for the different characters. But Lord, we thank you that above all it points to Jesus. To Jesus' death on the cross, which means that we can freely and simply be welcomed into your family. And have our sins washed away. Lord, I pray that for anyone that doesn't know that. Lord, I pray that they would know that even today. Lord, for those of us who have already come to you. And had our sins washed away. Lord, I pray that you would continue to fill us with a joy. Help us to continue to live for you. Lord, we know we fail so much. Forgive us in you, we pray. And Lord, for those who might be here this morning, who are living like the Israelites, who hear about you, who see you um, being worshipped and yet they do not know you. It's all theoretical. Too busy chasing other things. Lord, I pray 
And Lord, that you would work in their hearts and change them and bring them back to you, the living God. Because you are, as Naaman says, the only God, the only living God. Lord, help us to understand these things, take them in. And may we think about them as we go into the rest of the day and in the rest of the week. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to stand and sing a song uh, that really focuses on the fact that Jesus has paid the price. The price is paid. Alleluia. Let's stand uh, when the music starts and sing.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for that amazing grace. And Lord, I pray that we would serve you and worship you with all of our hearts. So Lord, keep us and be with us as we go from this place. Thank you for this morning and your word to us. In Jesus' name. Amen.